um, finishing the series, Love Thy Neighbor. Uh, all month, we've been looking at ways to obey Jesus's greatest command to love God and love our neighbor. The, the two cannot be separated. Uh, in this last message, we're gonna look at loving the lonely. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, after everything he created, every day he said the same thing. It is good. And there was only one thing uh, most of us know that God said wasn't good in all of creation, and that was that man was alone. I had an Old Testament professor in seminary that used to say, God knew that a single man without a woman in his life would be the most destructive force on the face of the earth, not only to, to God's created order, but also to the man himself. He would self-destruct. It wasn't good that he was alone. So God created a helper and a partner for the man. As we talk about loving the lonely this morning, I would argue that uh, more than just single guys are lonely. When you, when you think about the lonely, who comes to mind? Because more than just single guys come to mind. Now, other people are even mentioned in Scripture. The elderly, the widow, the fatherless. The truth is, everyone faces seasons, times in their life of loneliness. Much has been written in our day about the relational poverty that we experience it's ironic that in our culture, you can be around a lot of people, with and around a lot of people, and still feel lonely. You may be even sitting in a church service and still feel lonely with people sitting next to you. You can have a stay-at-home mom that struggles with loneliness while kids run around all day long. You can go to work where there are lots of other people and not feel like you really connect with any of them and have this sense of longing. Maybe you're a student and you go to school every single day, but there is, there's no one there that you feel like you can trust or that you can confide in. If your marriage is struggling, it's not uncommon to be sleeping next to somebody and still feel lonely. Singles, single moms, Everybody faces this at some point in their life. Last week when we talked about material poverty, we, we talked about people who don't have the essentials to get through life in a healthy way. Well, relational poverty or loneliness is that lack of intimacy and relationship to get through life in a healthy way. That, that meaningful Life is when you experience people around you that love you, care about you, and that you in turn have people that you love and care about and trust deeply. It's sad that people can be surrounded by others and still have this sense of longing and loneliness. It's a growing problem in developed countries like our own. And I want to share with you a couple of the reasons why uh, the experts feel like this is a growing problem. If you're taking notes, uh, the first one is the breakdown of the family. And many of you know this firsthand. Uh, you know what it's like to grow up without a mom or without a dad being present. And it doesn't matter whether that's because 
of a divorce or alcoholism or workaholism. Or, but if you've experienced it, you know the hole that that creates in your life, not having someone who is there for you. A couple of weeks ago, we said that in those situations, it is often the kids who suffer the most. And that's true, but it's also true that everyone suffers in those situations. When a divorce happens, usually somebody gets possession of the church that you went to. Somebody gets possession of the couple friends that you had. And if that's not you, it can feel like at your greatest point of need, somebody pulled your deepest relationships right out from under you. When families break down, everybody hurts. In-laws, grandparents, it's a growing problem in our day. The second is increased mobility. People in developed nations don't stay put like they used to. Uh, generations ago, people would be born and live in a certain community their entire life, like sometimes forever. Now we move for work. Uh, we move because we go to college and meet somebody that we love who lives in another state. And then it's kind of like, well, where are we going to live? Where I'm from or where you're from or somebody somewhere in the middle so we can see family. It decreases, that effect decreases the amount of deep relationships that we have. And oftentimes from the people that know us the most and have known us the longest. Third, heavy workloads and schedules. Uh, when people walk through the door on Sunday morning, I often ask uh, how people are doing. And without fail, I get very, very similar answers from everybody that walks through the door. How you doing? Busy. How's the wife? Busy. How's the kids? Oh, they're running here, there, and everywhere. They're so, but how you doing? Tired. We're all really, really busy. So, so busy that we're exhausted to the point where we don't take the time to relate to other people. I just wanna stay home and rest because I haven't gotten a good night's sleep all week long. It's Sunday, I haven't had one single day to sleep in all week, I don't wanna go. Fourth, not surprisingly, is the rise of social media. Um, through social media, we get glimpses of people's lives, but we don't actually get to be with people through social media. Social media has its place, I'm not against it, but screen-to-screen -screen contact with a friend is not the same as face-to-face. -face. If you have friends or grandkids or people in other states that you FaceTime with, you know this is true. It's good to see them. It's good to talk to them, but it is not the same as being in the same room with that person. No matter how many people you know, every single day you're gonna come across someone who has this nagging sense of loneliness. People you know, people that you relate to on Facebook are gonna feel this disconnect in our day. Someone two seats down from you right now could be one of those people going through one of these seasons. So this morning, I, I just wanna take a moment to stop and pray and ask God to speak because maybe God would lay someone on your heart or my heart that 
we need to reach out to that's going through a season like that in their life. Because as we reach out to them and share our love with, for them, I think there's a good possibility they might also experience the love of God. So let's pray. Father, you, you know those who we associate with, whether it's at school or work or somebody that we're sitting next to, God, that is struggling with feeling your love and the love of others. And Jesus has your people, we are called to be different. So instead of just resigning ourselves to the way things are, we're gonna ask Holy Spirit that you speak uh, to us this morning, maybe put a name in our mind, on our heart, so that we can reach out to them this coming week and express love and care in a meaningful way that would just maybe change somebody's life. And we pray this in your powerful son's name. Amen. So how do you reach out to those who are lonely? What, what, what's the best way? And I think the answer to that question could probably be as varied as the number of people. Uh, but I wanna look at three ways this morning that Jesus showed love in scripture, and then maybe we can do the same for, for other people. So the first one, if you're taking notes, is through touch. And I wanna look at Matthew 8. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Now, this is, this is a really familiar passage, but I wanna highlight just a couple things from this. And the first is that this man that had leprosy had a tremendous amount of faith. He didn't doubt for a moment that Jesus could heal him, he said, if you are willing. You can, just are you willing? And Jesus in love was willing. But secondly, leprosy could be really, really gross. Now, we are not told how advanced this man's leprosy was. But I'm gonna just give you some like options of leprosy. This man could have been missing body parts. This man could have smelled really, really bad. Because with leprosy, literally your skin rots on the bone. It, it doesn't smell good. This man could have sores, bumps, pus. It, it's really, really gross. This man could have been contagious. But here's what I wanna highlight about that. Jesus touched him. Jesus didn't have to touch him. In the same situation, how many of us would have gone, whoa, you know, yeah, like, just be healed. He could have done it. Why did Jesus touch this man? To convey love? To, to minister to some loneliness in his heart that maybe Jesus could sense and see? Not everyone that God calls you to touch, lay a hand on, or be there for, give a hug to, will be gross. But it's a possibility. 
when I was in seminary, uh, there was a group of us that went uh, to downtown Lexington every Friday night to do street ministry. And we ministered to the drunks on the street and the homeless. And we got to know a lot of the guys that were, they were really cool, but we never knew when we went downtown what state those guys were gonna be in. If they had gone to a shelter, got a shower, got cleaned up, they actually were fairly normal. But if they had been on the street all week long, on a three-day binge or a week-long drunk, um, they smelled, they were dirty, well, after we were done with the evening, we would all get back together at the seminary, pray for the different people that we ministered to that night, and just share stories about what God had done. And one evening, one of the guys from our team named Lonnie came back and shared that one of the guys that he had been ministering to week after week was, was just a real mess that week. Smelled, drunk, but the man had taken a leak on the side of a building and couldn't get his zipper up. So he asked Lonnie. I'm telling you, that is the love of Jesus right there. Not many of us would do that, but Lonnie did. And he gave the guy a big hug, prayed for him. That's extreme. But you see, there are people in this room that aren't here because they like my preaching. They're not here because they think the band rocks. They're not here because the, the coffee in the cafe is exceptional. They're here because this is the only place, maybe all week long, when they receive a touch from someone who loves them. Whether it's a pat on the back, a handshake, or a hug, when I was in seminary, we had every Monday off. No, no classes at all for seminary students because many of us were student teachers, so they gave us Monday without classes. And a couple of my friends and I who, who didn't pastor churches went to a local nursing home that day. We did a service, we sang, and then we took the residents back to their rooms and offered a prayer with them. And one day, while I was praying with Willoughby Hoyt, you don't hear the name Willoughby much anymore. I was praying with Willoughby and she was rubbing the hair on my arm while we were praying. And when I was done, she must have caught me looking at her rubbing the hair on my arm. And she said, oh, I'm, I, I'm sorry. She said, I used to do that to my husband. And it just brought me so much comfort knowing that he was there. You see, there is this longing in all of us to be touched, to be loved, and know that someone cares. It, it, it can be a touch on the arm, a handshake, a pat on the back. Uh, and I think we're, we're good at this as a church. Now, we're not gonna violate people's space because when I start talking about like giving hugs, I know some of you are like, uh, not me. Like, stay away. But by golly, if you need a hug, like this should be a place where you can find one. And all you need to do is find Kathy Ray. Because <laughs> even if you don't know Kathy Ray, she will give you a hug because she's just a hugger. Uh, but you love people and that's a, that's a good thing. Second, touch. Also, we will love by listening. 
most people, and myself included, everybody struggles with this. We, we listen to respond. Uh, and we're usually ready to respond before we should really be done listening. People need to be loved by being listened to. Jesus was great at this. Do you remember when, when Jesus encountered the two people on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and he, he took the time to listen to them? They, they were walking, all their hopes, all their dreams. They thought the Messiah was dead, but Jesus took time to listen. Let's look. Luke 24. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who has not heard about the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priest handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This happened three days ago. Now, Jesus is listening to their story, but like, it's Jesus. <laughs> How many of you would have been like, ta-da, it, it's me? You know, I didn't mean to scare you, Kathy. It, and, and, just cut to the chase. Don't listen to the story. Don't listen to the details. It's me. I'm alive. But he starts with a question, and then another question, and then he listens for who knows how long, and he begins to show them the truth from the word of God about himself, the Messiah. You see, people need us to listen to them before we start telling them the truth or giving them the solution to their problems. Ladies, do not elbow your husbands in church, or at least not very hard. But husbands, most of the time, our wives just need us to hear them and listen. When we ask somebody how they're doing, and they say, busy, maybe we need to ask the question again, but how are you doing? Because busy really isn't the answer we were looking for, right? That's not what we were asking. We need to ask, maybe again, and listen. So we're going to love by touch. We're going to love by listening. And third, we need to love with time. Jesus was a busy guy, always on the move, teaching, healing, multiplying bread and fish and all that sort of thing. But he took time for his relationship with his father, and he took time with, for his relationship with other people. And occasionally, he even took time to let those divine interruptions happen in his life and saw them as an opportunity to show the love of God. Remember in Luke chapter five, when four guys brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus. And the house that Jesus was in the middle of a sermon in 
was so packed that the guys couldn't even get in the door. So they took the guy up on the roof and they dug through the roof and let them down, him, him down in front of Jesus. And not only did Jesus take the time to heal that man, but those, those friends didn't give up at the first point of resistance. They, they, they stayed. They saw their friend all the way to Jesus. They were persistent. Sometimes the power of God is displayed in those divine moments. But in order to, to experience them, sometimes you have to be interrupted and you have to take the time to show the love of God. Early in my ministry, one of the friends that we were really close to um, lost, a, lost a baby. And the husband called me um, his wife was still in the hospital. He called and asked if I could come over. And I went over to the house and I said, you know what? Do you want to just go for a ride in the truck? And he said, yeah, that'd be great. And we rode around. Um, I prayed. We cried. I, I really didn't say a whole lot. And <clears throat> a year later, um, when we were laying in a goose blind, actually hunting geese, he looked over at me and he said, you know what? When Mallory died um, and you came over to the house, he said, I used to wonder why you, why you didn't say more. And he said, I, I now know that there was nothing you could have said. And I just want, I just want you to know that I am so thankful that you took the time just to be with me. We're all busy. I challenge myself and, and all of us, don't let that busyness crowd out the time to show the love of God to other people. Because sometimes all it takes is just time. As a church, we're going to love the lonely. With a handshake, with a touch, with a hug, we want people to know they are loved by God. We're, we're going to love by listening, by, by asking questions, by getting beyond just the, I'm busy. We're going to ask because we, we want people to know they matter to God and they matter to us. And we're going to take the time and maybe not say anything just so people know the love of God. If this sermon is about you, like if you're going through one of those seasons right now, I pray that louder than my words, you hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning because you are not alone. You are loved. As a church, we're imperfect. We're not gonna always get this right. But we love God and we love you and you are loved by God. And if you feel alone this morning, I, I pray that you would hear Psalm 41 as if God was speaking to you this morning. Do not be afraid for I am with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. 
I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. In Christ and with us as the body of Christ, you are never really alone. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we give you thanks that you, you remind us every once in a while that, that you are with us even when we can't see you, feel you, experience you, that, that you are always there. And sometimes, God, that comes from a, a smile or a handshake or a sermon. But God, I pray that you would use this church to convey your love to those who don't always feel it. And God, I pray that, that those names from that prayer earlier in the service would, would continue to be on the forefront of our minds. And if God has laid someone on your heart, on your mind this morning that you feel like you need to reach out to, if you're gonna do that this week, would you go ahead and lift a hand? A number of you have someone in mind. So I praise God for that because the love of God is gonna be seen and felt through New Stanton Church this week as you show people Jesus. And God, we pray that uh, as we reach out and, and just make a phone call, whether that person is uh, two miles away or two states away or even, God, two seats away, we pray that they would feel your love and our love. And we give you thanks and praise for the way that your church is gonna be making you known. And God, we also pray for those who are lonely, maybe here this morning, that, that don't know you as their savior. And God, they, they long even, even now to know that your love was for them, that your death was in their place, and that you want to dwell in them through the power of your spirit. And if that's you this morning, I pray that you would just ask Jesus to come into your heart, into your life in a new way, in a way that you haven't experienced maybe before. And that you would know beyond a shadow of a doubt the love of God expressed in the death of Christ and that he would fill you with his spirit, convince you that you are forgiven, free, and a child of God. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.